Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. December, we're officially into the Christmas season. We're singing Christmas songs. We're starting Christmas series. I know Pastor Yogi's been excited about this since July, and so we're, we're glad we can be doing this. Uh, there's a saying um, that familiarity breeds apathy, and oftentimes uh, Christmas can be like that. And so we want to take the next few weeks to intentionally slow down and focus on the coming of the Divine Son. We don't want Christmas to simply be something that we just do because it's December, but a reality that Jesus did not leave us to ourselves, but he came to save us. And so we want to spend time devoting ourselves to thinking about that. And the aim for each week that we're in it, uh, the weeks leading up to Christmas and on Christmas Eve, is that we would have a fresh reminder each and every week of the great salvation that we have and a renewed wonder of the great Savior that Jesus Christ has come for us, our Messiah, God, with us. Well, today we're going to be in Micah, so if you have your Bibles, please open them up to Micah chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 2 to 5. It's probably one of those books that aren't opened often, and you probably don't know where it is, so use the table of contents and make your way there. Uh, Between the years of 2015 and 2018, I was in Kelowna, B.C., serving in a church, and nearing the end of my time there, I I started making plans because I wanted to uh, start growing in my capacity to being a pastor in a church, and so me and Natalie, we started planning out what the next couple years would look like, and we thought, we're going to go to Louisville, Kentucky, and we're going to attend Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for the next couple years, and then Lord willing, one day we'd be back in Canada and serving in a church. But the Lord had other plans. Uh, I randomly got a call from someone I had never talked to. Uh, That's Pastor Marvin McCoody. Uh, And I ignored it because I don't pick up calls from people I don't know. And so my good friend My best friend, Steve, he messaged me right after I hanged up that call and said, you should pick up that call. Uh, And so I picked it up, and he told me to come out all the way to Toronto. And, And plans just, everything that me and Natalie had planned was thrown out the window. And God's plan for us was completely different. It wasn't what we planned or expected. And in the text today, Israel had all these expectations and plans. And what they hoped that the Messiah would be and what he would do when he would come. But the reality of the Messiah that Micah describes for us here and the Messiah that God will bring is completely different. The plan that God has in place, what God had planned and the Messiah that he had ordained from eternity past was so different, but so much better. Anything much better than what we could have planned or what the people of Israel could have hoped for. And so the title of our message today is Our Unexpected Messiah. 
our unexpected Messiah, because what Micah is going to show us this morning from the passage we're looking at is that our an unexpected Messiah, when he comes, gives us a perfect salvation. Our unexpected Messiah gives us a perfect salvation. See, the prophet Micah, his ministry began during the decline of the kingdoms of Israel. They were going into further disobedience and idolatry, injustice and perversion were all throughout the kingdoms. So God sends Micah to remind them of the covenant that they had made, of their divine obligations to him and the demands of the covenant for obedience towards him, but also reminding them that if they continue in this path, that there will be consequences for their disobedience, culminating in their exile. And we see throughout the history of the Bible, that's what ends up happening because they don't listen. But scattered throughout all of the judgment that we find in Micah, we have these glimmers of hope. Because that's who our God is, that he, he, even though the people of God might fail at times on their side of the agreement, God is faithful. God will never abandon his people. God will never back down on his side of the agreement and his promises. That God will be faithful to his promises, he will be faithful to his people, and he will deliver them. But get this, it's not in a way that they expect. And it's not who they expect. Remember, our unexpected Messiah gives us a perfect salvation. Look at verse 2 with me. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. And our first point is this, our unexpected Messiah, our Messiah has an unexpected origin. Our Messiah has an unexpected origin. Now, though Steve Kerr played with Jordan and he coached the Warriors to four rings, he's not on anyone's top 10 list. In the same way, when an Israelite thought of significant cities in the kingdom, Bethlehem wouldn't have even made the top 100. Why? Because Bethlehem was small in size, it was small in political power, it was a place that people ignored. But God says that our unexpected Messiah is going to be coming from this insignificant city. Now it would be like the next great Prime Minister of Canada coming from the town of Wawa. See, you guys don't even know where that is. I could have made that up, but I didn't. It's a city, it's a town. You can look it up on Google Maps when you get home. Now, why is this insignificant city a significant detail for us? It's this, because God chooses the small, the obscure, the insignificant, the foolish, the weak. Why? To display his glory. Because it removes any opportunity for human boasting. God is making it abundantly clear that this salvation that he's going to bring about, the Messiah that will come, is not going to be due to human strength or human wisdom, there's no boasting at all. It's all him. He gets all the credit. Israel has nothing to offer. Now, before we puff ourselves up, the same is true for us. We have nothing to offer. Jesus did it all. That's why we sing, Jesus paid it all, that all to him I owe. That there was nothing we could do There was nothing we had to do, let alone could do, to earn our salvation. Jesus did it all. And this is good news for the believer then. 
That because it means that our salvation is secure. Because if there's nothing that we brought to the table, there's nothing that can get in the way of the salvation that God will bring about in our lives. But this is also good news for the unbeliever. Because if you're here in this room, the reality is there's nothing that you have to do. Jesus did it all. He paid it all. All you need to do is to turn to him in faith and repentance and receive the gift that he offers freely in faith. And salvation can be yours. This is good news for the believer and for the unbeliever. But not only does Micah tell us where this Messiah will be coming from in an earthly sense, that he's coming from Bethlehem, but he also tells us that this Messiah has an origin from eternity. Look at verse 2 again. From you shall come forth for me one who's to be ruler in Israel. And then the end of verse 2, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. Micah is telling us that the one who will come forth from Bethlehem is the one who has been coming forth from the very beginning. The one who will be active in the future is the one who's always been active since the beginning. The promised Messiah is eternally existing. He's eternally proceeding. He's eternally going forth. He's eternally begotten. The reality that Micah is pointing out to us is that our promised Messiah is none other than the eternally begotten Son of God. That Jesus, our Messiah, is pre-existent before his earthly coming. That's why we sang right before he was begotten, not created. His origin isn't earthly. He's divine. That's why John, when he opens the gospel for us, says this, In the beginning was the Word. And the word was God, and the word was with God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the word who eternally existed as God even before taking on flesh in the incarnation as the man Jesus Christ before being born in Bethlehem. Jesus is the eternally divine son. Now through the incarnation, the preexistent word takes on flesh and now we encounter God who is not removed from our situation but comes down for us. And he takes on our human experience and in our place dies for us. Here's what this means for us. Because of the incarnation, we know that God cares for us. Because of the incarnation, we can know that God cares for us because he didn't leave us on our own. He was under no obligation to do what he did, but he did it anyways because he cares for us. Every Christmas, though it might be hard for many of us, brings in a lot of hard memories and difficulties, yet it is still a reminder that God cares for you, that he did not leave us on our own, but he sent his son. But it reminds us this, we can know this, that God sympathizes with our weaknesses because the divine son who took on flesh experienced hunger, He experienced thirst. He experienced pain. He experienced the loss of loved ones. He experienced betrayal. We have a God who is not far off and does not understand. 
But through the incarnation, we can know that Jesus cares for us because he knows what it's like. But more than all of that, we can know this, that God has forgiven us. And that through the incarnation, we can know that Jesus has taken our place and by his work on the cross has offered up a perfect salvation for us. And by his work, we are redeemed and forgiven and brought before the Father, Jesus presenting us blameless before him with great joy. We can know all of these things because Jesus did not leave us on our own, but took on flesh for us. Look at verse 3. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Our Messiah has an unexpected arrival. Our Messiah has an unexpected arrival. See, Israel was expecting that their deliverance, when when they hear this prophecy from Micah, they're expecting their deliverance to be immediate. Why? Because enemies are at the gate. And if something doesn't happen, it's not going to end well for them. But Micah wants it to be absolutely clear that the Messiah isn't arriving on their timeline. Like babies who do not come on their due date, Jesus will come when he's good and ready. And for Israel, that will mean that it will be after much pain and difficulty. But we're on this side of the incarnation, this side of the cross, and we know that Jesus did come. The Messiah did arrive And what this shows us is that hardship, difficulty, pain, years of waiting does not get in the way of God keeping his promises. That time, centuries even, do not pose a threat to the faithfulness of God. Because look what happens. Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found to be child from the Holy Spirit. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, right there, promise fulfilled. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And right here, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written, God keeps his promises by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Centuries later, long after Micah has been buried in his grave, God sovereignly brings about the birth of Jesus Christ, his divine son in human flesh, by bringing Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, fulfilling his promise. And in God's perfect timing, Mary gives birth to the promised Messiah. What this means for us is that God's timing is always perfect. It might not be when we expect it, but God doesn't work on our time, but he's never late. He's always on time and he keeps all of his promises. His promise for deliverance, strength, wisdom, hope, 
All of these things might feel like they're taking a long time. It might not come when we expect it, but God will surely give it because he, get, he, he is faithful to his people and faithful to his promises. Now the first coming of his son should give us confidence for his promise of his return. The first advent should give us confidence for the second advent. Jesus came once and he will come again. This is why the psalmist can pray because of the faithfulness of God in the past. He can have confidence for the future. And when the Savior does come, verse 3 tells us what he will do. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. Those who were once far off are being brought near. Strangers are becoming friends. Enemies are becoming family. All of this is possible because of what the Messiah will do. And he tells us that in verse 4. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Our Messiah has an unexpected mission. Our Messiah has an unexpected mission. See, Israel is hoping for a military leader. Remember, enemies are at the gates. What they need is someone to destroy the enemy. They're expecting their Messiah, his mission, to be a military conquest. But notice, the Messiah, what is he doing? He's shepherding. See, this title, shepherd, is used of God to describe what the leaders in the Old Testament should be. See, this is what God expected of those in leadership. He expected leaders to be gentle, to have compassion, to care for those who are under them, protect them at the cost of their own lives, to tend and to feed them. Now, this should instruct any one of us who are, who are aspiring to be a good leader. See, in the culture, what we see of leaders is that they do anything to get ahead. We see leaders treat those under them poorly. We see leaders holding on to their position, all for personal benefit alone. But this is the opposite of what the Bible teaches a good leader should be. A good leader serves for the joy of those who are under them, whether it be in the church in your workplace, in your home, in your community, this is the kind of leader you should be. This is the kind of leader God wants you to be. But this isn't what we see the leaders of Israel doing. In fact, here's what Jeremiah describes the leaders of Israel. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. He says this, you have scattered my flock, and you have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. See, the leaders who were given this task by God aren't doing their job. These leaders have taken advantage of the sheep, and they've slept on the job, and they've led their people astray. But when the Messiah comes, he will be their shepherd. And their shepherd, this shepherd, is found standing. See, this shepherd won't fall asleep. This shepherd won't fail on his job because he's always attentive to his people. Why? Because he serves them in the strength of the Lord and for the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. This Messiah will lack nothing in his care for us. 
This Messiah will lack nothing in his ability to protect us and care for us. And he does this all for the glory of God, for the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God. And as we saw earlier, this Messiah is none other than the divine son, God himself, the preexistent one who takes on flesh. This is why Jesus, in fulfilling Psalm 23, says to us, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd does what? Lays down his life for the sheep. This is the ultimate way he shepherds us. This is the ultimate way that he serves us. He dies in our place. And our good shepherd, though, stands. He's not laying dead in the grave. He is risen. He's reigning in power now and continues to serve and to protect his people. And he does this all in the strength of the Lord his God. Unlimited power. The one who cares for us lacks nothing in his ability to care for his people. This is the God who cares for us. And now because of this work, because the good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep, look at verse 4 again. They shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. God's people will have lasting security because Jesus will reign to the ends of the earth. No part of this world will not belong to him. In fact, he already owns it all because he created it. It all belongs to him. He is the king. No one poses a threat. There's no resistance that can be found against the king. And because of this, because it's his power, because it's his strength, which is the guarantee for his glory reaching the ends of the earth. There's confidence that we as his church can have that the mission that he gives us will succeed. Because our king is the one who reigns to the ends of the earth. We know that this task that he gives us to make disciples to the ends of the earth can succeed. Because we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the one who already owns it all. We proceed in the one following the one who already conquered. Not only is there security for God's people because of the Messiah, look at verse 5. And he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. The work that the Messiah accomplishes, and sons, you can come up, the work that the, the Messiah accomplishes leads to the peace of his people. Jesus is the prince of peace who will take the earth for himself and establish peace, making war cease to the ends of the earth. Our good shepherd king will rule in righteousness and justice. No other king is like that. Jesus alone is our peace. Because of his work, he reconciles enemies into friends. Because of his work, we have peace because he's reconciled us one another. But this earthly horizontal peace comes because of a better peace. Jesus, through his work, gives us peace with God. That on the cross, he has nailed on it every accusation, every sin, and has paid for it in full. And he now presents us before the Father with great joy, and we have peace with him. See, it's one thing that we would have just been forgiven. 
But it's another thing that we have fellowship with the one that we've sinned against. He not only clears our debt, but invites us in as family. Jesus, through his work, gives us peace with God. And on the day of the second advent, when Jesus will come again, and he will, when Jesus comes again, he will give us peace that is unending. He will give us peace that is unending, all because of the work that he's accomplished by the Godhead. This is why we can join with Micah and say what he says at the very end of his book. Micah chapter 7, he says this, Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. And get this, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. God will bring us unending peace because of his work our sins are done away with God saves and his delivers his people through an unexpected Messiah but the salvation that he accomplishes is perfect it's just what we needed amen let's pray Father we thank you for this time we thank you for the time that we can spend in your word thank you that as we come into this Christmas season that you've seen it fit to fix our eyes again on Jesus Christ. We pray that this wouldn't be just something that we do like we we have in the past, but instead that we would remember what you have done. That you are God who is faithful to his word and to his promises and to his people. And that you did not leave us to ourselves, but you sent Christ for us. We did not expect it. It's not who we would have planned. But your plans are so much better. And this this unexpected Messiah has brought us perfect salvation. That all our sins have been cast into the depths of the sea. So we pray as we continue in worship, as we sing, that you'd fix our eyes on the second advent. Because you have come already, we know you to be faithful. So we are confident that you will come for us again. Keep our eyes fixed on you. Would you return quickly for your people? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.